2: Frank Demino and Old Habits Die Hard, and you're listening to Talking Metal. This is Justin German from Cruel Season and Autumn Hour, and you're listening to Talking Metal. Molson Canadian presents
1: Heavy Montreal. August 7th, 8th, and 9th, outdoors at Parc Jean Trapeau, featuring Slipknot, Faith No More, Corn, and Mastodon. Three full days of rock and metal with Lamb of God, Iggy Pop, Fozzie, Lita Ford. And many more. Festival passes on sale now. For the full festival lineup, visit Heavymontreal.com. Presented by Avenco. Hey guys, welcome to Talking Metal. Let's get right into some music. This is by one of today's two guests, Frank Domino. He's got a great new record out. We're going to hear all about it from him during the interview. Uh, and this song is called Rockin' in the City. Hey guys, welcome to another edition of the Talking Metal Podcast. My name is Mark Striegel, and I will be flying up in less than four weeks to attend Heavy Montreal, a three-day heavy metal, hard rock, punk rock, just loud rock festival going on at Parc Jean Drapeau in Montreal, Canada. I will be there. If you're going to be there, please let me know. We got to hang... I'll be hanging with some of my uh, my podcasting friends, Mitch Joel and Mitch LaFon, who I do the Metal Raps podcast with. If you haven't checked out my other podcast, Metal Raps, check it out on iTunes and Spreaker too. So it's going to be great, and I'll be doing some talking metal episodes backstage. And it's just going to be a three day long hang. I cannot wait. I'm gonna see Iggy Pop. Love Iggy Pop. I'm gonna see Fozzy with Rich Ward and Chris Jericho. Love those guys. Going to see Lita Ford, one of my my uh, teenage crushes, and just somebody, regardless of being a woman, who's just rocked me so hard. And who else? Pentagram is scheduled to play. Uh, hopefully Bobby can get some visa issues sorted out and make that happen. We have also the great Lamb of God, of course. Slipknot, and I am so psyched personally to see Faith no more. Headline: Saturday Night. On today's episode of Talking Metal, two great guests. One that is a little more known. His name is Frank Demino, and he played in the great band a band I just have loved for decades and decades. Angel. I didn't get into them until the '80s, but um, you know they were a band more from the '70s era into the '80s, and also uh, appearing on today's show. In addition to Frank, legendary classic rocker Frank Demino, is Justin German, and he played in a highly underrated band called Autumn Hour with my good friend Alan Tecchio, who was just on a recent podcast announcing that he is back with the watchtower guys. So anyways, this guy's name is Justin German, and he is known for his work with Hour, and also has a great project out now called Cruel Season." And you can check these guys out on Facebook. We'll have a link up in today's show notes on TalkingMetal.com. And speaking of heavy Montreal, not only will I be hanging out with the great Mitch Joel and Mitch LaFon, but I'm going to be hanging out with my wife, Emily, who is coming up for two of the three days. And Emily, who are you most excited to see at heavy Montreal? There are so many to choose from.
3: Definitely excited to see Lita Ford. I've never seen Lita Ford believe it or not. Um, I'm excited for Faith No More. I saw them in 92 with Guns N' Roses Metallica. And um, my only memory of that show, aside from Axel not coming on stage until like midnight, was um, Mike Patton going into the audience during their set and just not coming back out for like 20, 30 minutes. Just totally got lost. And I seem to remember him smashing a chair against the front of the stage as well. So he must have been having kind of an odd off night.
1: Is there is there footage of that? Because I seem to remember seeing footage of him smashing a chair. We should we have to look on YouTube because I feel like there's maybe he maybe that was something he did at numerous concerts, or maybe there's footage from that actual show because I seem to remember seeing footage of that.
3: Well, it was Indianapolis, and it was summertime because my sister and I went down um she was my metal partner in crime before i met you and um it was a, it was down in indy it had to have been 92 summer of 92
1: sounds right we'll have to look for that footage online and of course marky ramone is going to be playing and and you and i had the pleasure of Jamming once with Marky Ramon. It's funny. You just asked me the other day where that picture was. Um, what What were you looking for that
3: for? Well, your mom has that picture, like out. So every time we go to her house, I see this picture of us with Marky Ramon, and I, 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 don't have that picture. And I was just like, kind of going through all my stuff the other day, and thought it would be a good one to pull out and have in my archives. And I don't have it. Everyone has it, but me apparently. But well, I also, I it's also posted
1: online. I sent you the link.
3: Oh, you sent it to me. Yeah. Oh, thank you. I also am really, <laughs> I'm also really excited to see Iggy Pop.
1: Yeah, yeah, Iggy Pop definitely. So many great bands: Slipknot, Lamb of God, Iggy Pop, um, Extreme, Warrant. Like you said, Lita Ford. Very excited to see them.
3: I noticed that both you and Mitch are direct tweeting her about being there. I think you guys are in some kind of competition to see who can get on her tour bus.
1: Well, I'm actually, there was a big scandal that, that blew up over the last few days with the Runaways. Uh, one of the the members, former members of the Runaways, claiming they were raped in front of Joan Jett and one of the other members. So I'm trying to get Lita Ford on because I'd love to ask her uh, what she thinks of this whole thing. Kind of a sad situation no matter what the real story is
3: well you've had her on before right
1: it's been at least three to four years so it'd be great to have her on to to above all else talk about her upcoming performance at heavy montreal mastodon is another band that will be performing that i'm very excited to see so many great bands and uh, you gotta get up to heavy montreal guys Uh, it's coming up shortly there is a picture in today's show notes on talking <clears throat> Excuse me. On talking metal.com that lists all the bands playing and there are so many great ones.
3: I'm also excited to see some new blood. I know Arch Enemy has a new lead singer. Haven't seen her yet. I know and She's from
1: Montreal too. Oh really? Yeah.
3: Um, yeah, we've seen them a few times with was it Angela? Angela yes. um the last singer, but I haven't seen the new one. And I know Asking Alexandria, I think they have a new lead singer as well.
1: Cool. And Dokken, too, another one of my favorites that will be performing at Heavy Montreal. So definitely totally psyched. Dying Fetus, Gore Guts. Motionless in White is a band I'm really, really digging. The little bit I know about them, kind of like a a metal, gothic, contemporary vibe. Very exciting band. Andrew W.K. will be there. Of course, Warrant, Within Temptation, getting a, a very pretty big name on the bill, so lots of great stuff, Rocket from the Crypt, as Emily mentioned, Asking Alexandria, so lots of great stuff, Jamie Josta will also be up there doing a set, and the Agonist, uh, a band from Montreal, which is the girl from from Arch Enemy, the new singer, that's her old band, so should be interesting, because I know they didn't part on the best of terms, so that should be interesting. And we'll also have Dig It Up, Wilson, Dead Tired, the list goes on and on. So get yourself two, Heavy Montreal. Right now, let's get into my interview with Frank from the classic rock band, the classic hard rock, progressive band, whatever you want to call them, Casablanca Records Band. Angel, love Angel, love Frank's voice, and... The best news of all is that Frank has new music out, and he's gonna tell us all about it, and then we're gonna hear a little bit of it. But before we do that, we must listen to some classic some classic angel. This is coming off of the on earth as it is in heaven, and this song is called On the Rocks, followed by my interview with Frank. Hey, this is Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and on the line we have Frank domino checking in with us. Frank, how are you today?
4: All right, Mark. How are you doing?
1: I'm good, man. I'm good. A longtime fan, going way back to the Angel days. But I want to start off today by talking about a great new album that I just heard that just came out, Old Habits Die Hard. And it's, uh-huh. it's your new album and you're sounding great on it there's a lot of cool guest stars so great. so let's yeah. just uh let's start talking about about the record um let's let's start with the title old habits die hard what what's the meaning behind that
4: well <laughs> obviously you know i i got the uh the old angel mic stand and the boots but you know it, a, a lot of people have said uh you know well, what, well what's going on there i, I thought you weren't doing it but I've, I've always been out there i mean I, i've been singing i've never stopped singing I've you know i've whether it's been with uh, you know, I have a local thing out here uh, called Vinyl Tattoo with Oz, Oz and I do. And uh, I went to see uh, uh, Jeff Duncan last night with Armand say They were great. Uh, oh, yeah. And Jeff Duncan sits in with us on Vinyl Tattoo every once in a while when Oz uh, is not around. But I, you know, I, I've always been, I've been pretty active. I, I never stopped doing what I do. So um, when I, I started thinking about a title for this uh, for this album, I thought. Well, you know what? Um, I still have, I still do what I do, I, I've, what I've always done. So uh, I thought the the title of "Old Habits Die Hard" would uh, would work well, and also the music itself. I think I think the music on this album is um, it's a little bit more. Um, um, I, I don't want to date it or anything, but I, you know, it's it's back from where I come from. So you know, it's a little bit more '70s, but there's a lot of, a lot of newer newer sounds to to this album. So it's got some of that background uh, classic rock stuff that I, that that I grew up with and, and I think some of the newer stuff newer sounding stuff is on there
2: as well
1: Yeah, absolutely, I would agree with that and the, uh, the guest stars are just, are just great, you mentioned Oz I'm assuming you're talking about Oz Fox right. and right. he yeah. is on the record but what about Eddie Ojeda a great friend of Talking Metals of Twisted Sister fame how and uh, where do you know Eddie from?
4: Um, well, I've known, I've known Eddie for a while. Um, I know all the guys in, uh, in Twisted. Um, and Paul uh, Crook, who produced the album, is, uh, is from uh, New Jersey, and he's great friends with them as well. And what happened was uh, while we were recording, uh, Eddie had uh, called in and uh, he was at the Nam convention and said he was coming to Vegas. Was anything happening? So Paul said, it's funny you asked." He said, I'm in the middle of uh, recording Frank's album." I um, want you to come down to the studio when you come in. So he came down to the studio. We played him some tracks, and um, he loved the stuff. So I asked him. I said, yeah, you want to play on one of the tracks?" He said, "Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to." So we uh, we went through the tracks. I pulled. I thought um, tonight tonight would be great for him, and uh, and he loved the song. So I said, "Well, you know, have a listen to it and come back." And he came back the next day. Laid down a great solo, and and. uh we're all very happy.
1: Awesome. And another familiar name, Punky Meadows. and oh, uh, Punky. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, you know, a lot of people kind of lost track of Punky uh, in recent years. And, and what, do you know, what has he been up to? And, and how did you come back in contact with him? Or maybe you've been in contact with him the whole time. Yeah, I don't know.
4: All of us uh, uh, keep in touch with each other. Um, you know, uh, not not that we call each other every day, but we're, we're always in touch with you, with each other Um I'm always talking to Barry. Uh, Greg lives out here. Uh, And I think I probably keep in touch with Punky a lot as well. Um, And Punky and and Felix played on the last thing that Barry and I did, uh, the In the Beginning uh, um, CD that uh, Barry and I did. So um, when Oz and I wrote uh, Never Again, Oz, had said, you know, know, when I was thinking of this... uh, the uh, the song, when we, we started working on this song, I was thinking of an Angel song in the back of my head. He said, wouldn't it be great if we had Punky play on it? I said, yeah, I mean, uh, I'll give him a call. So I called him up, and um, and I told him what, what was going on. I said I had a deal, and I had a, a a song that I thought might be great for him to play on it if he wanted to play on it. He said, absolutely. So I sent him the song, uh, and um, we sent... Uh, we He found a studio out there. We sent the tracks to the studio that he found... And uh, he laid down the tracks, sent it back, and it sounded great.
1: I mean, you say out there. What is, is he in L.A.? He's
4: in, he's in North Carolina. North
1: Carolina. Okay. Yeah, cool.
4: he's been in North Carolina for a while. He um, he sold the uh, the tanning uh, salons that he had in uh, in Virginia, and then moved to North Carolina. So he's been out there for a while.
1: Cool. Well, yeah, you got some great special guest stars on on the record, but who is like the core band that you're now playing with? The
4: core, yeah, the core band that I used uh, was. Um, uh, Paul Crook, um, uh, John Michelli on drums, uh, Danny Miranda on bass, Justin Avery um, on keyboards. And between Paul Crook, uh, Oz Fox, and Jeff Lebanski, they played most of all the guitar stuff. Um, the other guys that I have, the guest stars, came in and did the solos for me. So
1: Cool. Cool, gotcha. And- there's a song called "Even Now," kind of more of a ballad-y song. Can you talk about you know that that song and who helped you write it and kind of the history yeah. behind it?
4: Yeah, that's a, that's a song that Barry and I wrote. Um, we just didn't
1: Barry the didn't drummer of angel, it, you
4: know. So uh, we we you know we we still have a, a couple of songs that we that that we have that that we've done that we haven't uh, done anything with, but that was one of them and. And uh, I had a, a, a version of it that uh, a demo uh, that we had had uh, that we had done, and uh, I thought that it would it would fit in great with this, uh, with all this stuff. I, it, it's the only track that wasn't written for this album, but I I, I thought it, it fit in great. Um,
1: so you so and Barry, uh, you and Barry had written it for Angel back at some point in the past.
4: Well. Well, Barry and I uh kept writing. Uh after Angel, uh, that's why we did the In the Beginning CD was just a uh a compilation of songs that we had kept writing cuz he and I uh he and I just kept writing stuff. So we had n- nothing to do with them. So we put together the uh In the Beginning thing because we had songs that we wanted to uh put out put put out. And uh, that's why we had uh, Punky and Felix played on some and we have some other friends that uh that, that played on some tracks. So uh this has been ongoing. We have a few. We had a few after that. So this was one of the remnants of the, some of the songs that we've written together, um, and um, it was one of the ones that I thought would fit in great with, with this with all the tracks on this uh, particular CD. And uh, it's also uh, a track that my son played on, which which, which is a uh, which is a lot of fun for me to uh, to have my son my youngest son play on it. Um,
1: Dylan, his name is right. Yeah,
4: Dylan. And what does Dylan he play? Is,
1: what does Dylan play?
4: He, uh, uh, Dylan plays the uh, opening, the uh, finger picking. Sorry, I'm. Uh, I, got, uh, I got. I just got over bronchitis. But,
1: oh man, no worries. Uh, yeah, I know.
4: <laughs> uh, yeah, he plays the finger picking opening. He plays it through the whole track, and then he plays the last, the last strum, the last chord on, on the on the track as well. But uh, yeah, he plays through the whole thing, and um, you know he was very nervous and stuff at, at first because he he's never done any recording. So uh, you know, and I had sat down and I said, you know, you got to really uh you got to really go over the the, the the track and make sure that you know it because when we get down to the studio, I don't want you to hang up anybody. You know, once we start recording, you know, I want you to get get through the song. So uh he worked really hard on it. He didn't really get nervous until we started to head down to the studio. And then when we walked in the studio, we started getting more nervous, but as soon as he sat down, Paul made him feel really really comfortable and uh, he just breezed through it he was uh yeah he he did it uh, he did a great job
1: good stuff and again the album is called old habits die hard we'll have links to the album up in today's show notes on talkingmetal.com in the notes for this episode and frank i, I want to take you back to your past a little bit um you sure. obviously angel was signed to this just legendary label, uh, in the seventies and, and went on to be a label in the eighties too, but, uh, Casablanca records. And there's been stuff written about the, the brainchild, the, the man behind Casablanca, his name was Neil Bogart. Uh, we've read him about him in books. We've read all sorts of crazy stories, some great, some not so flattering. What are your memories of Neil Bogart?
4: uh Neil's a special guy he really was uh he uh he was like no one no one else in the uh, record business at at that time uh, he really was a, a guy that uh, really uh, listened to the artist and and worked with the artist um, you know he he uh when he signed us uh to, to cat we were we were initially going to be uh we were initially going to sign with uh capital um, but neil was just a guy that that when we were, when when we brought the the album to the first album, the first annual album to Neil, he just made us feel really comfortable, and we felt we felt like we were in good hands when we were around him. You know, um, he just said the right things, and and we felt comfortable that he would uh, he would take to uh, take us where we needed to go. And um, and there's very very few people like that in the record business. Uh, I don't know of any to date but uh but I haven't really de- dealt with that many. Uh, although uh, you know I'm I I got a great relationship right now with with, with Frontiers. Um I think they're uh, one of the few uh, record companies right now that are really um keeping the uh the classic rock thing alive, keep it going and uh, it gives us a, a venue to uh to uh put our songs all of us are writing songs still. You know, we're all in, still in the business. So, uh, I think Frontiers is doing a great job. But getting back to Neil, neil like I said, neil was a special guy he really was
1: and and how did you guys meet neil was it like an a and r person or some people say gene Simmons brought you to to the label um how did you meet neil
4: well there, i mean the connection between kiss and and an angel was that uh when we were uh when we were in d c uh we played at a club called bogie's uh it's the only place we ever played uh we did two shows a night there and um Gordon Fletcher, who used to write for um, Circus Magazine and uh, Rolling Stone, he used to do a lot of uh, album reviews. Uh, he used to come down almost every night. Uh, he, you know, he loved the band, um, and we sit and talk all the time uh, between shows. And um, and one night he said, you know, I'm i i going to start to bring down some national acts whenever they play uh, at Largo. Largo was uh, Largo Arena was like. Uh, um, it's kind of like Madison Square Garden in in DC it was the big arena where the 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 uh the hockey team and the basketball team played it was it was the, it was like the forum so uh he would bring down uh, bands that were were playing in town and one night he brought down uh, the guys in kiss and um uh Gina Paul and Ace I believe I I'm, I can't remember if Peter was there I, I I think the whole band was there um but we talked we we hung out and um and uh gene brought up uh, management for the band, and we had just signed uh with David Joseph uh a week before that so um so he wanted us to sign with a coin, but we had just signed a management deal but we talked you know we we all got along and stuff and uh and then the next thing was uh, our manager brought us out to l a when we went out to l a uh neil um, was um, still kind of Casablanca hadn't really uh None of the bands had really broken yet. Uh, Kiss was uh, at that point; they were uh, the third album, I think, it was *Dressed to Kill*.
0: Right.
4: So they they hadn't broken yet. So Neil was still looking for acts to to sign to Casablanca, and he was looking for for a rock band. And you know, I, I you know, the connection was when when David made the call to, to Neil, I have a band, and you know, and the guys in Kiss have seen the band, and so they they can tell you about the band and stuff like that. So that was kind of the connection there with. Uh, with Neil Casablanca and Kiss, and uh, you know Neil had called. I, I assumed that he had called uh, Paul or 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 um, Gene, and then he called called us back and said, "Yeah, you know, I'd, lo- I'd love to sign the band. I'd love to hear the band. I'd love to sign the band." So, that, from that point on, our that's how our relationship started with Neil.
1: Cool. You know, it's interesting. Uh, I interviewed Tommy Thayer, who's currently playing guitar with Kiss. Uh, oh, probably. Year and a half, two years ago, and he mentioned that he was a fan of of Angel uh, to me. Uh, have you kept up with Kiss's career at all? Do you follow any of their their newer releases, or you know, um, occasionally?
4: Yeah, yeah, as best I can. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm always listening to to music, uh, um, and I know Tommy from uh, from Portland. Um, when I worked with uh, with Jeff way back in the day, uh, Tommy was with a band called Black and Blue. Right. Um, and uh so they they were from portland and so i i knew them from from back then and uh so uh, yeah I, when he uh, when he was uh, became a member of kiss i obviously i, I started to listen as well to the, to the newer stuff and you know i i, li- I like all kinds of music i, I really do and, and uh, you know kiss of uh, you know i think paul is a really good paul stanley a really good songwriter and, and and gene as well so uh you know there's there's always something interesting to to listen to and and to find if you look hard enough
1: you know absolutely when you look back on on angel you guys you know you had the first and the second record came out and they they kind of had a more progressive sound in some ways and then when the third record came out in uh, nineteen seventy seven on earth as it is in heaven, to a lot of people it felt a little less progressive do you right. do you do you agree with that and and if so, was there a conscious decision to kind of say hey we need to become something more than a a progressive hard rock band
4: yeah uh, i think uh, yeah i think at this point it's probably pretty well documented that you know from from the first two albums uh uh, and we wrote a little bit differently as well i think the first two albums uh uh punky greg and myself wrote a lot of the stuff uh like uh, after rehearsal we would stay together and and maybe uh at rehearsal we're working on like riffs and stuff, so we would put together a lot of stuff and then and then the next day, you know at rehearsal have they have the kind of the the arrangement of the stuff together, and then I would play some uh lyrics, put lyrics on it, and put put a melody to it um so we wrote a little bit differently for the first two albums, but we knew exactly what what we would do on the first two albums by the time we got to the third album obviously the you know the record company there was a little bit more pressure to uh to get more airplay, and, but also you have to remember, too, that those first two albums that we did, the uh, uh, radio airplay was much different uh, then. Uh, There was a lot of AOR stuff, Uh, you know, they they played long time, I remember, on the the, uh, radio a lot uh, from the first album, and you'd never hear that something like that played now from a new band. You know, it was very, very different uh it was it's a progressive slow ballad you know and um so 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 the radio station's uh, airplay was changing as well, so we tried to you know without giving up too much- too much you know uh, under under the pressure of the record company and and getting ready radio airplay we tried to the transition began on the third album, but I think by the time we got to the fourth album uh it was uh a transition, but I think we were also writing differently as well. We were breaking off into pairs. Barry and I started writing more. Punky and I, uh, you know, Greg and I, uh, you know, it was just different. You know, we, we started to write more as songwriters, I think. And um, we also uh, started to work within the uh, studio a lot more. So,
1: Cool. Cool. Just a couple more questions and we'll wrap it up. Um, yeah. In 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 the '80s, one of the biggest selling records of the 1980s, uh, over 20 million copies sold, the Flashdance soundtrack, and, and you're on that record, uh, singing a song, yeah. "Seduce Me Tonight." How did you get involved with that?
4: Um, when we did uh, when we did the um, the um, Fox's movie, uh, we worked with uh, Giorgio, uh, and from that. Uh, from that relationship uh, with Giorgio, I I started uh, doing a lot of uh, studio in, uh, things for him. I did a lot of uh, uh, he would call me and ask me to do some backgrounds to a lot of the the, the stuff he was producing like uh, like,
1: um, like the dance. I stuff. did
4: backgrounds yeah like I did backgrounds to a Sparks' album and some other things that he produced. So I did a lot of that stuff with him and. Um, he had called me um, because he was in the midst of doing the uh, uh, Metropolis thing with Keith Forsey. Okay. He was doing the soundtrack for that. So he asked me if I would come and uh, work with him and Keith on uh, doing some songs to uh, for the soundtrack of Metropolis. I said, of course. So I, I went to his house up in uh, Truesdale uh, where he had a studio there. And uh, we started working on, on, on new stuff for the Metropolis uh, thing. And while that was going on... Um, he was doing uh, uh this movie called Flashdance at the time uh Staying Alive I think was going to uh, was uh, was coming out at the same time and that was looking at like that was going to be the big hit of the year because it had Stallone and uh John Travolta um and this little uh movie Flashdance had all these little vignettes going on and everyone thought yeah okay it was it's it, it's a nice movie but uh you know it's it, it, it'll It'll be okay, but it's not going to be staying alive. So uh, what happened was uh, they wanted to use the song, um, I believe it was it was Brown Sugar in in that section, where they eventually used uh, uh, the song that I did, um, and. Uh, I, I i assume so when you they said they
1: used it like in a rough cut of the film or something they used it
4: yeah when when they when they were looking at the film they you know and putting the soundtrack together they they were thinking well let's let's use uh brown sugar would go great there and it would be it would be great to have the stones on this uh this uh movie uh but i uh, I assume that they didn't really wanna pay the cost of the stones uh, you know the, the, what the rolling stones wanted for brown sugar and that. So, so they uh, asked Giorgio if he had any songs, and uh, and uh, we had a song that we had been working on. Uh, and Giorgio said, I, "I'm thinking of using this song in that movie, that flash." Because we were looking at the rushes of Flashdance while we were doing Metropolis every day at his house. While, you know, when we were finished, and uh, he said, "You know, what do you uh, what do you think about that song?" And I said, "Well, yeah, you know, I mean, if you want to do it, I, I think it'll be fine." So. Um, so we were, it was at the end of the day. <laughs> Keith and I were in the other room and uh, having a drink, and uh, you know we had just finished our recording on the Metropolis stuff, and Giorgio came in the room and said, okay, let's do that song. And both of us looked at each other and said, what do you mean? No, let's record the song. I thought we were done for the day. So we went back in there, and we did it real quick, uh, laid it down really quick, and then the next day he put some sacks on it and stuff like that, and we forgot about it. And it went out there, and then all of a sudden flash dance became the bigger hit than staying alive and it became a huge selling soundtrack so it was uh it was one of those odd things that happen you know while you, while you're standing there it's happening in front of you you know
1: yeah, absolutely. Um, I don't know if you heard, but uh, Daft Punk, that, that band, had a real big record like one or two years ago. They have a whole tribute to Giorgio on, on their record, and you actually hear him talking about his history and stuff during the song. It's kind of cool if you haven't heard oh, it. Oh, I haven't
4: heard that,
1: yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff. Good stuff. Cool. I gotta, well, look, I gotta find that. Well, Frank, thanks so much for sharing some great old stories with us and for filling us in on the new record old habits die hard again we will feature some of the music here on today's podcast and uh hype it as much as we can because it is a it is a good one
4: thank you so much for having me mark it was
1: really a pleasure That was A Little New Music by Frank. You just heard my interview with him again. His record is called Old Habits Die Hard, and that song right there opens the record. It's called Never Again. Good stuff, Frank. We're so glad you are rocking us for, wow, going on like 40 years since that first Angel. Going, It's been 40 years. I think that first Angel record came out in 1975. So congratulations to you for having such a great, long career. Frank Domenia. Again, coming up next, we have an interview with Justin German, a local guy here in the New York Tri-State area. He's done some work with Alan Tecchio of Hades Watchtower and nonfiction fame. Uh, We're going to hear some music that he did with Alan back mm, probably five, six years ago with the band Autumn Hour. And then we will get into my interview with guitarist Justin German, He's got some new music out coming out soon. I don't think it's out quite yet, but it's going to be coming out real soon. And he's going to tell us about that. Cruel Seasons is the uh, is the the band he's working with now. And we will have links up to their Facebook page in today's show notes. But again, this is uh, right now a little Autumn Hour featuring Alan Tecchio on vocals, Justin German on guitar, followed by my interview with Justin. All right, let's do it. Hey, this is Mark Striegel of Talking Metal, and checking in on the line, we have Justin German of the band Cruel Season. Justin, nice to meet you, man.
2: Nice to meet you, too, Mark. I've been a big fan for a long time, and it's great to finally talk to you.
1: Cool. Well, I'm glad you reached out and uh, introduced yourself via email and, you know, the music that Cruel Season is doing that I've heard, which I haven't heard a lot, but I've heard you sent me one track and really digging it, and we're going to talk about that track, we're going to talk about the the upcoming record, but could could you briefly, you know, in, in two or three minutes, kind of give us a, a little history lesson on Cruel Season?
2: Well, Cruel Season uh, really began in 2009, and that's when uh, Michael McManaman, the vocalist of the band, Roger Cohen, the drummer, and myself—you know, the guitar player—met uh, Doug Odell. And uh, you should know that Roger and Michael and myself played in a group together many years ago, and we played together for many years. And uh, that band sort of fell silent, and uh, you know, we did the best we could. Uh, we warmed up for some nationals, and uh, we actually went by the name of Fuel back in the day. Not to be confused
1: with uh, Brett Scallion's fuel, right?
2: (laughs) Exactly. More power to them, and uh, it was almost proof of concept that after we had disbanded, that they had so much success, and of course, you know, I think that they're also an East Coast group, and uh, we were very happy to hear all of that, Um, but we always had interest in our music, and Michael uh, McManaman, the vocalist of Cruel Season, met Doug O'Dell in 2003 And Mike reached back through to Roger and myself and said, wow, you know, this is a great bass player, and we really need to play with him. So we started uh, sort of reviving this lost canon of work, and it really gelled. You know, Doug's sound was perfect for the group, and uh, Doug wound up being a really key member of the band and bringing some fresh blood into this music as a writer and uh, just a major contributor. So... We started a project to record this music that is going to be our debut full-length called Rise on Dark Star, which is associated with Sony Music. It's an indie uh, in association with uh, Sony Entertainment. The well, long story short, we started uh, to record the music ourselves. Of course, we went to a studio to record the drums because, you know, that's an art form in itself. So uh, we went to uh, J-Rod Studios. We tracked the basics for drums. And uh, I fell on the Cruel Season corporate sword and began the long process of engineering, you know, all of the other tracks.
1: Now, J-Rod Studios, I know that name for some reason. Where where, where is that?
2: Well, you definitely will. He's in Rockland County. Uh, We're both friends with Alan Tecchio, both you and I, and also John Corsiari, who owns J-Rod Studios.
1: Oh, okay.
2: Yeah, so it was through through those friendships. Not only that, but... uh, Johnny Corsiari also engineered the Ottermauer record that uh, Alan Tecky and I did together.
1: Great record. Yeah, great record.
2: Wow, thank you very much. Uh, yeah. It's a favorite of mine, too, and uh, I just, you know, am such a fan of uh, Alan's, and I have so much respect for him. So it was a natural uh, progression to go to John's studio to record uh, basic drums. So, you know, we took those tracks and began the long, tedious process from 2009 all the way to 2013, you know, making our record, and we did it in various sort of makeshift studios, and uh, it was a real engineering feat, especially for myself, and I hadn't had experience doing that kind of a work. But you know, I think it sounds pretty great. We wound up uh, having great support from Tim Gillis, who is an owner of Big Blue Mini Studios and mm, he was sure. you know, Jersey only, City uh, my uh, friend
1: used to work at Big Blue Meaning do you, do you know Arun Vanket- Arun Vankatesh do you know him
2: yeah I know Arun sure I know his yeah. brother too
1: yeah Krishna yeah yeah. those guys yeah, are like yeah. old friends of mine Arun and I had a band for years uh, a really good New York City kind of like sleaze metal punk band that, that we used to play in together that uh, just had so much fun with, with Arun but wow small world
2: uh, it always is, and it never ceases to amaze me. So, you know, Tim probably before he even knew Arun, was was helping out Roger and Michael and myself. You know, back in the day when we were first working. So after we had done all of our work, you know, our due diligence, recording the drums with John, or recording all of the tracks, I went back through to Tim and asked, you know, if he would help us out with a mix and also mastering. And of course, you know, on our budget. We really couldn't afford what the, the work that you know he did, and it sounds just great, and he's always been a supporter, and uh, so grateful to him for mixing and mastering it. So uh, it was nice to bring the story uh, sort of full circle to finish it up with Tim, and uh, I'm pretty happy with the results. I think they speak for themselves.
1: Cool. And I want to talk to you about one of the songs that you sent me in, in a few minutes, but uh cruel season songs that that is. But first, let's let's back up to uh Alan Tecchio and your your relationship with him. Um you you did the autumn hour C D with him a number of years back, which was a great one. I guess my first question is where did you first meet Alan?
2: I'm sorry, you broke up there, but I think you asked where did I meet Alan?
1: Yeah, where did you first meet Alan? Yes.
2: Well, it was it was uh, through association with uh, the band that I was in at the time, Fuel. Uh, actually, now thinking about it, I think Alan had recorded some Hades tracks with Tim at Big Blue in their first studio. Ah, okay. And we were also in there at the same time. And you know, I got to I got to just be honest. I was a huge friend uh, or, or a fan of Dan Lorenzo, and later became a friend of his. Yeah uh... but his work in nonfiction, I really felt like you know and really alan's vocal i thought that whole band was great kevin Bolenbach on bass too absolutely was, a, was just tremendous so we sort of built a friendship through that uh... mutual connection at the studio and we actually were fortunate enough to uh... sort of open up for nonfiction on some east coast shows which is which was of course a great thing for you know a band like us yeah. And Alan and I kept in touch, and we always wanted to sort of work together, and it took many years. I mean, you know, as you know, Alan is involved in so many really great metal projects, and to just be in the pantheon of all of that with the Autumn Hour project really is an honor.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and it was a great CD, and I'd love to hear, you know, I'm, I'm very excited for Cruel Season, don't get me wrong, but I'd love to hear some more Autumn Hour at some point, and uh, I think... I thought Alan told me at one time that, the, that you guys were potentially working on new stuff. Is that, am I imagining that?
2: You're not imagining it. And it's actually a little bit different uh, than the uh, debut Autumn Hour full length. We, we, we pretty much have the music written for uh, you know, 10 principal tracks for the follow-up. And we sort of just got caught up in a lot of life. You know, and including, you know, music. You know, Alan has been involved with, uh, you know, some pretty big projects. At the time, I think he was, you know, just starting to do some Watchtower, and then the uh, the really great Mike LaPond, uh project came up, Silent Assassin. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, of course, uh, the, there's interest again in the Watchtower uh, music, which is phenomenal, and I'm just so happy for, just for myself as a fan and for the metal community, you know, at large, because... What I've heard is incredible, really. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to blow people's minds. Cool. But, yeah. uh, you know, hopefully we'll we'll be able to circle back to that. There's also a, a different uh, acoustic project that Alan and I have been working on for years, too. So, you know, th- there's always something going on, and it's just a matter of coordinating schedules and timing and all of that.
1: Absolutely. Cool. So let's circle back to Cruel Seasons. The Season. Cruel Season. Don't worry, I'll edit yeah. that. Let's circle back to Cruel Season... And the album is due out rise. It's called it's due out in October. Um, I heard one of the songs off the record and there's kind of a, a interesting, unique story behind this song or I, I guess special guest. I don't know what the story is, but I want to ask you about about the the song uh, Sorted, right?
2: Yeah. Well, sort it's a special song on the record. Um, it, we actually closed the CD out with it. It, it was it's a, a great tune, man. The me, guitar but,
1: sounds great. I mean, you just got a, such a great guitar tone, which always just pulls me right in. But fun song, great song.
2: Well, thank you so much. And I mean, I know you're a gearhound too. I use a lot of interesting amps and some very cool guitars. Uh, so it, it was really just a pleasure to record it. I'm so happy to hear you liked it. And I guess the interesting uh element of the song is that, you know, we had a guest uh vocalist on it, Sally Struthers.
1: the yeah. Sally about. Struthers. We're talking from all in the family, right?
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I know that that, that must sound, you know, just completely uh, strange to, you know, fans of metal music. Well, and in,
1: the, in some know. ways, yes. But if you think about all in the family, okay, you had Rob Reiner who gave us the great movie Spinal Tap, you know, that was all his brainchild. He went on tour with Saxon to research it, you know, so, so in a, in a, in a, in a weird sort of way, uh, all in the Family now has more than, than one uh, metal connection because you have Sally on, on your record and on this song. So, again, how, did, how in the world did you end up getting her on this song?
2: Well, first off, you just blew my mind with that comparison because it's amazing. I never thought about it, and uh, I think that's great.
1: Yeah.
2: <laughs> so uh, Roger Cohen, the drummer of Cruel Season, he and his wife... Uh, a friends of hers. you know she has got a history in Broadway performances and musicals, and uh, you know Roger, who's you know a phenomenal you know metal rock drummer, percussionist. you know he also uh, works as a jazz musician, he and his wife professionally. okay, So they had developed a friendship with Sally, and you know, in just passing, Roger had mentioned this, and he said, you know she's she's such a nice person. And uh, you know, so willing to just you know go out there and try and be creative. I just had this crazy idea of, hey, you know, why don't we ask her to come on down and and sort of sing some vocals? And originally, the song I had asked for her to come down to record is a song that's called "Smooth Like Ken," which will actually be on our follow-up CD. Okay. what she could do so she had absolutely no prep time to, to really work out her parts or work out what she was going to do and uh, she was more than happy to just jump in give it a try and recording her vocals and being in the room with her she was really going for it and wow nice you know, and, and, how,
1: and how old is she now? Was, like how old is she now?
2: I don't know her age but she she was uh, you know very, very active very uh, vital and very into it, and it was actually quite inspiring because, you know, she truly went for it.
1: Awesome, awesome. And, and it's, it's a fun listen, the song's great, and she comes in towards the end of the song, right?
2: Well, she, she comes in more prominently towards the end.
1: Oh,
0: okay. But,
2: you know, in the, in, in the verses, there's this sort of repeating uh, pattern of the word sorted, which is also the name of the tune. And she's in there with Mike, they're both singing it at the same time.
1: Oh, nice, okay, cool. They're
2: really sort of in unison, it's not a harmony part.
1: What I, I mean, I give her a lot of credit for just being willing to do that, you know, and and that's uh, that's awesome. So, Justin, before I let you go, just a couple real generic questions for you. I know you're a guitar player. What initially attracted you to guitar, and what were some of your early guitar influences, or who were some of your early guitar influences? Well,
2: that's a great question. I'm so glad you asked that, and. uh like you, I mean, I really grew up in a golden age of guitar playing because, you know, if you remember um, MTV in in the early days, there was Van Halen Unchained. Yeah. So it was it it was music like that. It was uh, early Ozzy uh, music with Randy Rhodes.
1: Such great stuff, you know. Then,
2: of course, uh, you know some incredible music. You know, I, I just love uh, the David Lee Roth album "Eat 'Em and Smile" with Steve Vai.
1: Oh, one of my favorites.
2: Isn't that just tremendous? I mean, and there's energy in that record because can you imagine the pressure Steve Vai must have felt? You know, with a record coming out with David Lee Roth, who just left Van Halen.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I mean, it was it was such uh, to me. It was more Van Halen than what van halen ended up doing you know with, with with sammy and i'm a big sammy fan but you know i don't know that that first album they did with uh with sammy was never one of my favorites and i thought the 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 roth record eat Him and smile just killed it
2: well i loved it and i really felt like they had something to prove and, and they did ladies night in buffalo
1: yeah opens it's with a really d minor them seven them. chord that's a d minor seven chord i, I just love it at the 10th uh, fret there so yeah great stuff yeah. Cool. Well, Justin, it's been fun talking with you, and definitely keep us posted on Cruel Season. We're going to link the Facebook page in today's show notes on Talking Metal. I encourage everybody to go over and and give it a like and and check out uh, Justin and his band Cruel Season. Right now, we're going to get into the song Sorted, which we were talking about earlier. You said this closes the record, right?
2: Indeed, it does, yes.
1: Closes the record, and this is special guest co vocalist on this song uh, is Sally Suthers. What you just heard was the band Cruel Season, featuring Sally Struthers, who once shared the screen with Rob Reiner of uh, Spinal Tap fame. Guy behind the Spinal Tap movie, and he was also the guy who uh, who was in it. He was played the part of the documentary filmmaker in the movie. So Sally Struthers, of course, known. From all in the family and uh, from those commercials telling you to save starving children or whatever it was. Or was, were they starving dogs? I can't remember. I think they were starving children, actually. Was it UNICEF? I don't know. I don't know. So here we go. Um, let's uh, wrap it up with some music by Korn and get ready for their appearance at Heavy Montreal. It's going to be a good one, guys. Slipknot, Faith No More, Corn, Alexis on Fire, Lamb of God, Iggy Pop, No Effects, Billy Talent, Mastodon, Bullet for My Valentine. The list goes on and on. But right now, this is Corn on Talking Metal. A little classic Corn. Freak on a Leash.
5: Something takes a part of me. Something lost and never seen time I start to believe Something's raped and taken from me, from me Life's gotta always be messing with me Can't it chill and let me be free Can't I take away all this pain I try to every night all in vain Sometimes I cannot take this